So I got to say, I missed my mom the last couple days in a really big way. And there's something about when you're sick. You just miss your mom. And uh, I I was in bed for two days, and so I'm going to keep drinking some water along the way to save my voice. But I'll tell you, something about moms. Moms have a way of saying the right thing, doing the right thing, being there in the right ways in just the right moments to do what only moms can do. It's not easy being a mom. Let's face it. Uh, it's almost like uh, moms are superheroes, if, we, if we're really honest about that. I think I even got a, a picture to show you that demonstrates kind of what that can look like, right? It's like under it all, they, they're super moms. And, and it takes, it's not for wimps to be a mom. Often a thankless a praiseless job, and being in the trenches as a mom is not easy. You, you may remember this. Some months ago, I think it was either during Advent or early in Lent, I'd, I'd shared a, a story of, of a mom that uh, was out shoveling snow one Michigan morning, and you know it was one of those big snowstorms that, that brewed up overnight, and, and there she is. She's shoveling, and uh, her uh, elderly neighbor's out there shoveling too, and he looks over and, and says, Hey, where's your husband? You, you just had a baby, and you're out here shoveling. Where's your husband? And, and she explained. She says, well, you know, we, uh, we, draw, we drew straws this morning to see who would have to go out and shovel. And he said, oh, I'm so sorry. And she's like, what are you talking about? I won. Because <laughs> being a mom isn't easy, is it? You know, I found a, a lot of interesting research on this, not only in my own experience, but, you know, you can learn a lot when you start asking the question, what what goes into being a super mom? And, and the list is endless, but here's some examples that, that I found. Uh, a mom is willing to listen to overly descriptive drama. And, and this is what we mean by that. Like, he took my baseball cards, or she has more ice cream than me, and it's not fair that she's sitting in that seat, or I can't go to school today because I don't have cool shoes. And moms are able to listen to this kind of quabbling in with the wisdom of Solomon, figure out a way out. Moms are, are able to erase bad dreams that come up at night. With just a soothing reminder that all is okay. With a comforting embrace, with a kiss on the, the forehead, and, and a reminder and a prayer that God is with them. Moms have an ability to calm even bad dreams. Moms have, have an ability to Uh, to fix things or replace things, like toilet paper rolls that somehow don't seem to go on the the roll itself or that dispenser. Moms have a way of figuring out how that works, even when the rest of the household doesn't seem to know how. They understand the art of playing games, from those first games of slapjack where the mom's hand is just a bit too slow to the sneaky skill of playing Candyland and hiding that card where you have to go back to the beginning, (laughs) to learning when it's truly okay to win and that you'll hear words of frustration, but you teach the art of shaking hands and saying, good game, moms get games. It's like life, a gradual teaching of how to deal with the world. They're skilled negotiators and can make negotiating not feel like bribery. Here's an example, even though Don't tell anybody. Sometimes it just might be. There are times when if you go to bed and fall asleep in the next 10 minutes, I will give you five bucks. And that's completely acceptable in some cases. Grace, mom, grace. Moms can can answer, I'm hungry, I'm starving, there's nothing to eat. When's dinner? Can I have a snack? Over 
and over and over again. And then when you offer apples, carrots, or anything healthy and you hear, I don't want that, you always know to reply, well, then you're really then not very hungry, are you? Moms are good at that. Moms have the ability to translate two-year-old talk. The world might hear a bunch of gibberish, but not moms. They hear with great clarity, oh, you want a fruit snack? Oh, you don't want to take a nap? It's a secret code, but moms get it. Some moms know how to hide chocolate. No more words needed here except it's a a brilliant survival tactic. At least I know where my wife has kept her chocolate all along. Maybe you do too. And the list goes on and on, but one of my favorites is they have the ability to find anything that's lost. And it's an interesting thing that a child who stands there and says, I can't find it. It's amazing how those things that are lost don't just come flying through the air and land in their lap. But interestingly, moms have a way of finding what is lost. And the list goes on and on and on. And we could add to that the expectations that that moms are are talented at keeping a clean house or moms are talented at doing all the laundry or or our moms are, are talented at having all the details all together at all times, and add to that the, the pressures to, to work and the pressures to make income, the, the pressures to just keep up and, and have all the fancy toys and clothes that everyone else has, and, and it's really not easy being a mom. I asked a few moms this week what they felt the biggest struggle is as a mom, and it's interesting, I kept hearing the same answers. The hardest struggle as a mom, they, they all said was the same thing. They said, you never feel like you've done enough. And you always feel like there's moments where you're just a simple failure. And that they put it in greater context. If you're a stay-at-home mom, there's that pressure to, to work outside the home if you're truly valuable. And, and if you're a mom that works outside the home, there's, there's that ongoing just feeling of failure that you're not there for your kids more. And it goes back and forth. And just that overwhelming sense of never having done enough or never quite measuring up or never quite being like so-and-so who seems like super mom in comparison. Maybe that's where you're at if you're a mom today. And I would just add, maybe that's where you're at even if you're not a mom. All of us often feel overwhelmed and tired and feel like we've failed. Where do we go with that? I want to open scripture with you. And if you saw in in the first reading, I love this example because a lot of times I think what happens is I hear this sometimes on Christian radio. I sometimes hear this uh, among Christians speaking in different contexts that, that the biblical model of motherhood is that a woman is supposed to be home with their kids and not work outside the home. I hear that every once in a while. And I think just to start off here, to just lift the burden of that a little bit. Is that truly the biblical model? Because throughout Scripture, we we see examples of working moms. In fact, that that concept of a mom that is a stay-at-home mom is relatively new in the history of the world. It only kind of happened in in recent times in America where that became a possibility in uh, the wealth and in the blessings of this nation. That sometimes we lay that cultural expectation forgetting all of previous world history, including biblical history. And one of the great examples 
is what we found in our first reading today from the book of Acts. So, um, this is a, a context of, in the book of Acts. Um, Luke is the writer of Acts, and, and Luke tells just how the, this incredible birth of the early church. Next week, we're going to celebrate Pentecost and the coming of the Spirit, just as Jesus said the Spirit would come. But as the Spirit has its way in the early church, and as the gospel message continued to grow and, and go out, uh, as God's people couldn't help but speak about what they had seen and what they had heard, one of those missionaries, of course, is the Apostle Paul. And, and the Apostle Paul, in one of his missionary journeys, is then uh, joined up with Luke. And that's when Luke writes this. He says, and we, uh, and, and it says that they go to the town of, uh, of Philippi. And, and you may recognize in that name, later there would be a, a book written called Phil- Philippians, which is a book written to a church that would be planted in that town. And, and on that uh, visit to Philippi, uh, we find out that, that Paul and, and his companions, including Luke and Silas, go down to a river. And, and while they're at this river, because they, they hear that there's going to be a, a gathering of women there, a prayer gathering. And, and as they gather there, and, and, and it happens that there's a woman, we find out, by the name of Lydia. And I'll, I'll just read this. It says, and then on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. And and it says, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the town of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Now, uh, this tells us a lot about Lydia. For one thing, uh, it says she's a a worshiper of God. That that means, as as a Gentile, that she was a non-Jewish person, Um, she was seeking out the Jewish faith. This was most likely a Jewish prayer gathering. The the, the message of Christianity and Jesus as the messianic fulfillment of of Judaism hadn't reached Philippi yet and and that region. And here that message is coming. Here's a woman who is seeking out a relationship with God and she's exploring Judaism, which is the expression that often is used of a worshiper of God throughout the book of Acts. And Here's Lydia, she's there, she's there for prayer, part of this study and, and time of prayer with these other women. But we hear a little more about her. It says she is a dealer or a seller of purple cloth from Thyatira. Interesting detail. Um, if you're a seller of purple cloth, there's something that would have been very true of you in that culture. You would have been very successful. In fact, um, purple uh, was kind of like the Gucci or the, the high fashion color uh, that was only worn by the rich and the famous and the ultra wealthy. Uh, to deal in purple cloth, there, there's a certain kind of um, a snail shell, seashell, uh, that, that would actually be crushed and they could get this purple resin out of the shells and they would use that to, to dye fabric purple. Very, very expensive process and a very sought after color. Uh, that's why you often think of royal uh, purple and, and teams like the Minnesota Vikings as being awesome when you think of purple. Um, sorry, I just had to say that. Um, it just came to me. Um, but purple, um, back in that day, if you were a dealer in purple cloth, you would have been very successful. And, and we have every indication from that detail, she was a very successful businesswoman. Um, it, it's a noteworthy thing in her life. Um, and, and it says that in the midst of this success, and in the midst of that identity, here she is seeking God. And there she is at the river that day. And as Paul starts to speak, 
and share the message, it, it says that the Lord opened her heart. I love that. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. You know, when, when people come to faith, that's how it works always. Is God works in the hearts of his people. And he opens their minds, he opens their heart, and he brings about a new reality. And on that day, as Paul spoke the words of the gospel and the message of a Jesus Savior who had come into the world and died and then rose again, God opened her busy heart. And it says to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized... We have every indication here that as she hears the message, she's like, what's to stop me from being baptized? And I mean, they're right by the river after all. And, and it says she was baptized, but then it says, kind of important here, and her, if you're looking at the text, she was baptized and her what? Household as well. Now, in, Culturally and linguistically, and there's a great word in Greek, oikos, and, and whenever the oikos word is used in context, we see this throughout the book of Acts, that, that individuals along with their entire oikos or household would be baptized. Here we have that case here. She, along with her entire household, would have included her husband. We don't know if she's a single mom or what, but she has a household. Very successful woman would have included any relatives living in the house, would have included all the children, no matter what their ages. It would have included servants or anyone else. And like I say, from every indication, scholars believe she was a wealthy woman. This could have been a lot of people. And here this woman, successful as she is, and a Savior who opens up her heart, and not only is she baptized and brought to faith, but even as a leader in her family, she leads her whole family to the Lord. What an incredible day. And what an incredible gift to her family. I love what happens next. And, and, and as her whole household is baptized, and, and then she, it says, and she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to stay at my house. The bed and breakfast was open for business. And, and I don't know if Paul and Silas or Luke realized to what degree this would be needed because uh, we find out in the very next chapter that as they continue to preach the gospel there in Philippi, um, they are actually arrested, put in prison, and, and eventually are actually flogged uh, as a result of this. And this is a whole fiasco that unfolds. And if you ever saw Mel Gibson's The Fat Passion of the Christ and what flogging involved, and sometimes people would bleed to death in that, that bed and breakfast or that hospitality for Paul and Silas would be such a gift to them. As as they are released, they go to stay with Lydia and find healing there and find respite there. You know, God uses his people as a blessing in his church and in the faithfulness of moms, even moms that work outside the house, that God can have his way in their life. There, there's no biblical model that says a, a, a woman has to, who's a mom has to remain home with the kids. At the same time, is it wrong to be home with the kids? Of course not. But the point is, in a world filled with guilt and shame and burdens and stress and expectations and judgments, don't lay that one on yourself. Everyone is different. 
And some women are blessed to be very successful in business. Some are very blessed to be successful by staying home and, and, and managing the household in ways that no one can figure out because it's a gift. But everyone has a gift, and we celebrate that gift. I love, too, how putting this in perspective, and, and, and again, that that feeling of never knowing if you've done enough or always feeling like there's some point in your life where you're a failure or you've never quite measured up or never quite done enough. I, I love the perspective of what the gospel reading today gives us. Now, another bed and breakfast that Jesus happened to spend time in, and, and that was outside of, of Jerusalem in a town called Bethany, and he'd often go there. One of the first times he goes there is recorded in, in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 10. And he goes there, and, and you got Mary and Martha. They are sisters. Um, I want to be honest with you. I don't have any indication that they are moms. They're sisters living also with their brother. Some of you know their brother's name is Lazarus, right? In famous story, Jesus raises Lazarus uh, to, from death to life in, in this incredible account that God gives us in his word and this incredible truth uh, that, that shows what God can do in the lives of his people. And Jesus goes to their house, and as it often happens, where Jesus goes, a crowd gathers, and, and there they are at the, the, the house of Martha and, and Mary, and, and it says that as he's there, uh, Martha welcomes her into her house. Uh, Mary, though, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to his teaching, but Martha, it says, was distracted with, with much serving. I mean, after all, this probably wasn't announced. Here Jesus is showing up at their house, and, and she's like, man, I got, I got to take care of all these guests, and, and she's running all back and forth, and, and in between, like, gathering stuff off the floor and, like, putting it in closets and stuff and making sure, you know, everything's okay, that the guests are out in the bathroom, oh my, and just pulling all the cosmetics and putting that away and, and making sure everything is out now food, and then running to the kitchen and and meanwhile, getting all this and orchestrating it, and, and she is a, a woman of control. <laughs> but as a woman of control, she's very frustrated with her sister. Her sister who's not helping. I mean, after all, can't her sister see what needs to be done, what's most important? Finally, Martha has enough, and she can't help it anymore. She brings it up with Jesus, like, don't you care that my sister here is just sitting here loafing around while I'm doing all the work? You ever done that? I love Jesus' response. Reminds me of the Brady Bunch. Martha, Martha. Marsha, Marsha. Not quite the same, but Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. But hear what Jesus says. But one thing is necessary. You hear that? We can be distracted about many things. But one thing is necessary. I get it. There's a lot of things that are important. There's a lot of things in life that just need to get done. And I know there's a lot of stress. But notice what Jesus says. You are distracted by many things. But one thing is necessary. And he goes on and he says, Mary has chosen the good portion or that which is better. And it will not be taken away from her. What a distinction. I wonder if sometimes we get all caught up in defining ourselves by what we do and what we accomplish and 
by what other thing, others think of us and what we do and what we accomplish or uh, that, that perception of, of other moms or other families or other people and we get caught up and like that's who we are and we got to keep up with that. No, no wonder so many moms are exhausted and tired. Could it be you're a mom who's been distracted and maybe forgotten what is necessary? Maybe Mary can teach us something about that. A Savior who invites Mary to sit at his feet. A Savior who connects with her through his word and his teaching time in that open scripture that reminds her that she is a treasured child of God. She's not defined by her guilt and her shame and the lack of what she's done or her failures or her past or her striving to succeed and never seeming to do enough. A Savior says, no, you are defined by who you are because of what I have done for you. And a Savior who offers grace and offers grace and mercy and peace and even joy as we sit at his feet and celebrate his presence. I would suggest to you, moms, that there is nothing more necessary not only for your personal life and well-being, But I'd also suggest I don't think there's anything more essential to your life and well-being as a mom and as a witness to your family. Every once in a while, I throw this picture up on the screen. This is more for me maybe than you, but I'll tell you, this this lady, uh, I miss her. I do. I do. Uh, Jesus took her home to be with him back in 1991. She, she battled cancer for five years. Um, I've shared part of that story at times through my years here. And, and uh, what an incredible gift she was to, to her family and to me. And, and, and I'll tell you, you know, this, I love this picture. that She had surprised me uh, at Concordia University, River Forest. Um, she was in the midst of cancer treatment when this picture was taken and this was kind of her last bout, just about four months before God called her home to heaven. And, and she would not uh, find victory through the cancer treatment, but she would find victory in her Savior Jesus and being called home to heaven where God healed her. And I'll tell you, that, that night was such a special surprise for her to, to be there. And, you know, one of the things I, I continue to thank God for, and I, I was just pondering this in, in preparation of this message Do you know what I remember most about my mom and what I praise God for the most about my mom in all these years that have passed? It's not all the things she did, and she did a lot of things. She brought uh, chocolate chip cookies out of the oven to cross-country meet. She was there, and she drove me around. She did all the things that, you know, that seemed to matter, and we're told that's what a mom does. You know, I don't really care about all that. But I'll tell you what matters to me today. What matters to me is her steadfast faith in Jesus. And and that legacy of faith that she imparted to me as her son and and how she continued to remind me that she was praying for me and she did pray for me and and her dreams for me and my life to be fulfilled that, that God would use me according to his plan, not my own plan. And her steadfast bedrock faith through times of struggle, even the battles of cancer. And the joy that she had in her Savior Jesus that was infectious. That is the greatest gift a mom could ever give. And I'm here to tell you, it's true. It works. It makes a difference in the lives of families. Moms, don't neglect what is necessary. Don't neglect what is most important. Don't neglect what makes the biggest difference. 
time with your Savior Jesus, it is life-giving. It is life-filling and it is life-fulfilling in the life that you live, but in the life of your family. May Jesus have his way in his name. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for moms. But Lord, so often the stress and the pressures and the expectations and that sense of being overwhelmed and even trapped in the midst of being a mom can be overwhelming for so many. It can be easy to get caught up in the idea that you are defined by what you do or even defined by what you don't do or fail to do. And that label, even self-imposed, can be overwhelming and, and broken. But Jesus, you invite us today to find strength and peace and renewal at your feet. Together as your people to choose what is necessary, not just what distracts us, but to redirect our thoughts and our minds and open our hearts to renewal through your word, renewal through this time in your presence. And every day as a Savior who invites us to spend that time with you, Lord, that is valuable time, that's life-giving time, and that is fulfilling time in the lives of moms, in the lives of people, and it's lives that fill families with grace and love as well. We pray for that today, Jesus, in your powerful word and the powerful promise as you are the resurrection and the life. And it's in you, Jesus, we celebrate. Amen. Amen.